the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, this is Al Fadi, and I'd like to welcome you to our podcast, Let Us Reason. This is a unique show because I am also live streaming at this moment on YouTube and also on Facebook page. So if you are listening to this podcast, you can also go to my Facebook page, alfadi.sira, and look for this particular live stream on October 27th, and you'll be able to watch us or go to my YouTube channel, Sira International, and you will see this video as well. And the topic that I want to entertain uh, in this particular podcast and also in the one that will follow after this one uh, has to do with the alternate location of Mount Sinai, which uh, Joel Richardson with me here will present his uh, compelling evidence as to why he believes, and I too, I too believe, that the location actually is in the northwestern part of the Arabian Peninsula or what we call today Saudi Arabia. Joel, welcome back, brother. Thank you so much for the time that you have been uh, spending with us and uh, all of these amazing shows that we've done so far or recorded. So just for the benefit of those that maybe did not join us last time, maybe a few minutes about yourself and why are you passionate about, for instance, uh, this particular field and this topic? Sure. Well, some of your audience may be familiar with me. I'm primarily known as an author, um, an itinerant speaker and teacher. Um, I also work with um, a few different ministries that are working throughout the Middle East, um, and that really is where my heart is. Uh, I just, I love the Middle East. I love the Arab world. I love the Jewish world, uh, because it's the heart of the biblical world, you know? That's right. And uh, that's where my heart is. So, you know, I've been involved. I've got my hands in a lot of different things, and as an itinerant teacher, you know, I'm speaking at various conferences and churches and different things. And over the years, I've had a lot of people come up to me, and they would show me pictures. They would say, what do you think about this, this split rock? Do you think this could be the rock that Moses split? And I would say, well, gosh, it's an unusual formation. You know, I've certainly never thought of it. I've never looked into it. But as you can imagine, I get, I get so many emails, especially I talk a lot about biblical prophecy. That's kind of a unique world. Um, so I get emails every day. Joel, I figured out the secret code to unravel this particular mystery, or what do you think about this theory? And I, honestly, just I don't have the bandwidth. I don't have the ability to process all of this. It would be a full-time job. So same thing with some of these pictures. I said, it's interesting. I don't know. I just I don't know what to say. I don't have the time to look into it. Um, but nevertheless, despite the fact that it it caught my curiosity, despite the fact that I wasn't quite sure about it, it caught and captured my curiosity. 
And so interestingly, there were a few times that people showed me these pictures and this weird prayer kind of rose up in me. A few times. It was unusual. And I just said, Lord, I ask that you would get me into Saudi Arabia. I want to go see this thing. I want to check it out for myself. And I think part of it is because I wanted to get into Saudi Arabia because up until just last year, the, the kingdom was closed. Unless you're working there, uh, you know, in the hospitality industry or for one of the oil companies or this type of thing, you can't just go to Saudi Arabia as a tourist. And, and your salvation is not secure until you go to Arabia. Haven't you heard about Paul? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Paul, Paul himself <laughs> went to Arabia. But, uh, you know, so I wanted to go to Saudi Arabia, like part of the, just the adventureness in me. Um, but also I wanted to check this out. And so I pressed it. Lord, I see you would get me in. Well, a few years ago, um, a friend of mine, um, a mutual friend of mine, said, you know, I've, I've got a good friend that l- works in the kingdom, lives and works in the kingdom. And he was just up there at this place. What do you think? What do you think about this? So here's another guy. That, what do you think about this? And I said, I've always been kind of fascinated by this. I don't know much about it. And I texted back and I said, can you get me in? Mm-hmm. Can he get me in? And really just within a few minutes, he came back and said he would love to get you in. He can get you a work visa. Again, I do a lot of video work, photography. He said, you can do some promotional uh, work for the oil company. So do some photography stuff. We'll get the work visa. And then we can take some time to go exploring and checking the mountain out. And I said, let's do it. But strangely, and I'll just add this bit, as soon as I got that reply back, I'm not a um, very sensitive person when it comes to the things of the spirit. Let me just put it that way. I felt this incredible resistance settle. It was like this heavy thing and tangible. And again, I don't usually pick up on any of this. And it was like, I knew that what I was touching was big. I knew that it was important. Hmm. And I'll just say the warfare from that moment forward was unrelenting for a couple of years. And it's still heavy. I still feel it. Um, but it was a few months later that we finally were able to get in, and I've been on this crazy adventure ever since. It's been an amazing surprise adventure that the Lord has had me on, and I'm convinced the Lord is up to something very big, very profound, because, and I'll give you a hint, I believe that the Lord himself has a testimony for the world. And in his timing and in his sovereignty, he has chosen this moment in history that he's about to make some big announcements. Not only that, brother, but the Lord has a heart for my people. Yeah. And and it's an amazing thing, really, indeed. And I, I tell people, listen, uh, you know, when we're talking about these topics or, or uh, biblical prophecies or anything to that nature, please um, listen to where we're going with this. We are going to a place where the enemy does not want you to go to. He doesn't want my people to be aware that God loves them so much, cared for them, that he even had some of these important events take place right there in their midst. Yeah, I mean, there's there's clearly a divine strategy to all of this. Uh, I'll tell you an interesting story. So, first of all, let me just say this. Within the field of Exodus studies, th- there's a whole field of scholars. They dedicate their lives to studying the Exodus. And what's ironic is many of them are unbelievers. They're not even believers. Some of them are Christian, some of them are liberal, some are conservative. But within this field, the majority actually don't even believe the Exodus ever took place. But it's not just within this little segment of this little niche of academia. It's also throughout the world today. Unbelief, atheism is is exploding. I mean, they're they're aggressive, right? You get on Facebook and they want to argue. You believe in some fairy in the sky, and you know this type of thing. Mm -hmm. They're 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 aggressive. They're mocking. They're condescending. And the church itself, the Christian church, is largely compromised. Much of the Jewish world 
doesn't even believe this. I was on the plane coming back from my first trip, Saudi Arabia, and I was in Amsterdam. And I was sitting down next to a guy, we're boarding, and immediately I could tell this guy next to me was a Jew from New York. I could just tell right away by his accent and so forth. And he asked me, you know, now normally, let me just say this, as a Christian, for years when I first started traveling a lot, especially when I was a new Christian, it would be like, Holy Spirit, you know, which is the person you want me to talk to? Where's the divine opportunity? And I'm always looking for who I can share the gospel with. Well, if I'm to be honest, now I've been in ministry for, you know, over a decade. I travel constantly. I feel like I live in airports. I get on a plane and I'm basically praying, Lord, please don't let anyone talk to me. You know, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm emotionally spent. And this guy just started asking questions. He started talking to me. And it was like handed to me on a silver platter, so to speak. He said, oh, where are you coming from? You know, what, 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 are, you, what are you doing? And I was like, well, strangely, I was just in uh, Saudi Arabia. He goes, well, what were you doing in Saudi Arabia? I'm thinking, okay, here's an opp- here's a divine opportunity. Amen. I said, you know, I, I was just at the, the real Mount Sinai. And he immediately said, oh, come on. You know none of that stuff's true. And I was thinking to myself, wait a minute, you're Jewish. I, I said, are you observant? And he goes, ah, I go to synagogue. You know, I know the Bible's filled with lessons and important things from God, but, but the story itself has long been disproven. And I thought to myself, look, biblically speaking, you're supposed to be the light Jews are supposed to be a light to the Gentiles. I'm, I'm a former pothead. You know, I'm a former drug dealer from South Boston. I'm the former pagan. And I'm trying to convince you that your story is true, you know. And, and so even in the Jewish world, like, there's skepticism. And so, you know, when you look at the story of the Passover, you look at the story of what happened on Mount Sinai, the Passover, throughout it, the Lord says, practice this thing, do this thing, rehearse it year after year after year so that you will not forget, so that you will remember. Teach these things to your children, so that you will not forget the mighty things that I did when I led you out of Egypt. This is the big stuff, the crazy stuff. You know, he ripped the ocean in half. He killed the most powerful army in the world. He split a rock and water gushed forth. He provided manna and quail and miracles. He came down in fire. Like, this is not everyday stuff. Amen. I've been a Christian for 30 years. I haven't seen fire come down in my presence to where, you know, a million people are trembling, saying, please ask him to stop talking, right? Like, this just doesn't happen. And the Lord says, remember what I did. And the whole world, Al-Fadi, has forgotten. Even the Christian world, by and large, like, it's like we believe it, but we've forgotten. And I really feel as though he is about to say to the Arab world, remember this? The Bible, this book that you say is corrupted, it's absolutely true down to the detail. Because as you said, he loves Saudi Arabia. He loves the people of the kingdom. He loves the Arab world. He loves the Jewish world. He's about to say, you guys, I told you not to forget. And what an amazing testimony to the authenticity of the Bible. Yeah. I mean, that's where we're going with uh, among people whom you, you and I know. I mean, I was one of them, rejected the Bible, yeah. its, uh, its authenticity, the truthfulness. And there you go. The, the, the most probably renowned biblical story ever to be known to man is right there in their own land. Yeah. I took, um, so I was, so to skip forward in the story a little bit, I was blessed, incredibly blessed to be able to bring uh, last year, it was in October uh, 2019, about a week after they opened the country, the kingdom was open for tourism for the first time in history. And about a week later, we came in with about 25 uh, believers for the first time. Christian tour into Saudi Arabia. And one of the couples that I brought, 
I won't say their name, but you know them, and they're incredibly sweet. They just wanted to get into Saudi Arabia. They wanted to see I'll the I'll be country. meeting him soon. <laughs> yeah. I love him dearly. But he said to me after we were there, he goes, you know, Joel, I have to tell you. He said, I didn't believe this was the real Mount Sinai. I just wanted to meet the people of Saudi Arabia and everything. He goes, he's looking at me with his mouth open going, this is really it. This and really- I, he told me the same thing. I mean, he says, you know, he wasn't convinced. He just wanted to get there. And now he is more than sold on the idea. Yeah. yeah. And when, when you actually go there, when you work through all the evidence, you see all the things, you just, you go, this, there's no question that this is not it. If it's not, God himself has purposefully created an amazing replica. Uh, yeah, replica, <laughs> down to the detail. Like, it's like he's tricking all of us. Right. Uh, right. Because there's just too much. There's too much evidence. Yeah. And again, uh, I want to welcome those of you who are joining us through the live stream on Facebook or YouTube. I see a lot of wonderful names. Thank you for all of you who have taken the time to be with us right now. I see different crowd also because uh, this is earlier uh, for me uh, than the usual time. And I also want to welcome back our uh, podcast, Let Us Reason People, who are listening to this. As I stated, uh, this is uh, a podcast that will be two parts. This is the first part. Next week will be part two that will be aired, of course, for you. And I encourage you to go to my Facebook page, alfadi.sira, October 27th, and you will be able to see this particular live stream. And also uh, go to our YouTube channel, Sira International, and you'll be able to also watch this. Uh, I encourage all of you, as always, to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Sira International. I also encourage you to become a Patreon patron so you can give towards... Uh, this ministry, and this is the type of caliber that we like to have here, uh, qualified authors, uh, speakers who know their stuff, and, uh, you know, the best is yet to come when it comes to this particular series. So thank you again. And we have about uh, probably 11 minutes left for this podcast. However, for those of you who are on the live stream on YouTube and Facebook, I'll let you know, but do not panic. We're going to close the podcast. We're going to take a minute break and come back again, continue with part two of this podcast. So, brother... Why don't you share just maybe the first line of evidence that you wanted to share with us about why you believe that that's the location of the real Mount Sinai? So the first line of evidence is the fact that it is on the eastern side of the Red Sea. Okay, so when you look at a map, um, you see the Sinai Peninsula. It's shaped like a piece of pizza. And you have this body of water on the western side. That's on the Egyptian side. And then you have a body of water, this arm, branch. Uh, on the eastern side, that's the Gulf of Aqaba, or the Red Sea, um, what the Bible calls the Yam Suf, okay, the Sea of Suf. Right. Now, there's this sort of historical thing that happened where when the Septuagint was translated, the Hebrew Bible, into the Greek, they translated it wrongly. They translated it as a Red Sea. You know, where did that come from? Because the Bible calls it the Yam Suf. So scholars have been confused. They've debated. They said, what does Suf mean? Some say it means the Sea of Reeds, this type of thing. Mm-hmm. A much better case, a much better uh, grammatical case can be made that Suf means the end. So essentially you have the Great Sea. That's the Mediterranean Sea. From a biblical perspective, you have the Great Sea. And then you have the sea that is at the end of the land or sort of the end of the world. It's way down there south. Right. And when you look at every single biblical refer- reference to the Yam Suf, where there is other geographical markers attached to it, every single time the Yam Suf refers to the Gulf of Aqaba, 
not to the Suez that's over to the west, but to the east, the Gulf of Aqaba, which at the top of which is the city of Elat, the Israeli city of Elat, or just next to it is Aqaba, the Jordanian city of Aqaba. And so um, the Bible refers to Eloth, which is Elat, biblical name for Elat, and it's connected to the Yam Suf, etc., etc. So the point is, it's the Red Sea that was split. It was not these little marshes, these these uh, rivers and so forth that were north of the Suez Canal back in Moses' day. It was the sea. Right. And so you begin with that simple fact that the mountain has to be to the east of the Gulf of Aqaba. Biblically speaking, there's no way around it. And so that's significant. So just location. Second, um, you have this very ancient Jewish tradition. Okay, It's testified to by both Philo a first-century biblical commentator, as well as Josephus, right. first-century Jewish historian. And they and very both, respectful, uh, respectable uh, historian. Yeah. Excellent sources, excellent yeah. historical sources. And they both testify that Mount Sinai is the tallest mountain in the region of Midian, biblical Midian. And so Midian, of course, you know, we know the story. The Bible says in Genesis uh, 2 and 3 that Moses killed this Egyptian. He fled. Um, from the presence of Pharaoh, and he went over there to the land of Midian. And then he meets Zipporah, his wife-to-be. He ends up living with uh, his father-in-law, Jethro, who's the priest of Midian. And, um, the, you know, this is the land of Midian. It's to, the, it's to the east of the Gulf of Aqaba. And, you know, that's significant. And it should be pointed out as well that Josephus was a Jew. You know, you have this biblical principle it's on the testimony of two or more witnesses let an issue be established. Um, Josephus was a Jew from Jerusalem. Philo was a Jew from Egypt, Alexandria. They lived in essentially very different parts of the Jewish world. So in all likelihood, uh, it, it refers, they're referring to a common, well-known Jewish tradition. And then later, of course, the Christians, Eusebius, the great Christian historian, Jerome, they carried this on. And then later the Muslims carried it on. So you have this very ancient Jewish tradition that this is the real Mount Sinai. They said it's the tallest mountain in the region of Midian. And the mountain that we're talking about, of course, is referred to today in Arabic as Jebel al-Luz. Jebel al-Luz, yes. Jebel al-Luz. The, the mountain of almonds is how it's often translated, which is interesting, by the way, because what, is, what are the, uh, the items that are inside the Ark of the Covenant? Besides the tablets, besides the manna, is all is Aaron's almond rod. You know, so the the almond tree f- features prominently in the in the Exodus narrative. And here's the mountain today that's referred to as the mountain of almonds, um, the menorah, in the in the menorah that God commanded Moses to create is patterned after almond branches. Mm-hmm. So you can see the continuity there. This is just a part of the world right, where exactly. almond trees grow abundantly and um, you know. exactly exactly again uh, thank you everyone for watching us we still have uh, at least five more minutes give or take uh, before this particular uh, podcast will end and obviously i want to encourage all of you to ask questions and uh, we have a friend here uh, peter sayers uh, peter uh, let me introduce myself to you formally if you come here to insult and attack my guest i'll block you before you blink an eye also all right my friend so welcome Uh, Other than that, I want everyone uh, to uh, really be encouraged to ask questions, whether right now or we're going to 
Once we conclude in the next five, six minutes, we'll take a one-minute break, and then we'll come back again and continue. So please prepare any of your thoughts, your questions, interactions with us, because we love to have uh, this dialogue with you. With us here, of course, is our dear brother, an author, uh, a respectable author, uh, uh, Joel Richardson. In fact, I encourage you to go to his website. Again, if you want to mention your website, brother, for people to uh, be familiar with that, and your YouTube channel also. Yeah, so I'm at joelstrumpet.com, and then I uh, also have a YouTube show called The Underground uh, with Joel Richardson. So I think if you just type in Joel Richardson on YouTube, it pops right up. Very good, very good. So, uh, And also, Joel, of course, uh, wrote a number of books. Uh, one of those books deal with this. Uh, what is it called? Yeah, I actually wrote a book um, called Mount Sinai in Arabia, released last year. And it's just a real good summation of all of the historical, geologic, geographic, uh, archaeological evidences, biblical evidences in a real simplified form with a lot of great color pictures. Wonderful, wonderful. So um, we still have a few minutes before we wrap up this particular part of the podcast. Um, uh, what other evidence uh, that you, um, you know, you like to share about, of course? Well, so I'm going to just pick up on some of what we've already talked about, which is, so now in doing all the research into this, I work through a lot of the academic literature, and again, there's many scholars that try to defend the traditional Mount Sinai, which is in the Sinai Peninsula, in the Egyptian-controlled Sinai Peninsula. And this is a location that has no um, traditional evidence. It was, no one even believed this until the fourth century. There were some Egyptian Christian monks that went out into the desert, and because there was this very tall mountain there, down there in the Sinai, they said, this is it. Um, and then shortly thereafter, Emperor Justinian, about 150 years later, built a fortress, literally a fortress, which has come to be known as St. Catherine's Monastery. Right. So once the Roman emperor kind of put his stamp of validation on this location that was really a, a, only a 150-year-old tradition at that point, so you know, you're talking 5th century, the 600s, um, then Christendom started believing that this was the real Mount Sinai. But, but... Again, you have this other tradition, which, you know, is over there in Saudi Arabia, and that was forgotten, okay? But so when you read the academic literature, they mock Jebel al-Luz as being the real Mount Sinai. The problem is when you go there, um, for example, the town that's about 20 miles to the west of Jebel al-Luz is today referred to as al-Bid. Well, the other name is Mugar al-Shu'aib which I'm probably... The, the cave of Shu'aib. Yeah, yeah, I'm probably yeah. butchering the Arabic, but yeah. essentially it's, it's Jethro's house. Shu'aib is the Quranic name for Jethro. So the locals there today, um, when you go to the center of this town, there's a well that's, that's referred to by ancient Arab historians as the Well of Moses. There's a sign that says the Well of Moses, the caves of Jethro. You know, all of these evidences are there. So even the locals have this rich tradition. This is not some fanciful theory that some sensationalist evangelical is trying to push onto the world. This is a very well-established ancient tradition. And when you ask the locals, you say, what is this mountain called? Um, they say, this is the mountain of Moses, Jebel Musa. You know, so it's not, this is not some strange theory. It's well-established, and they believe it because they trace it back to this very ancient Jewish tradition. So that, that in and of itself is fascinating. Wonderful. And, of course, uh, folks, when we come back in the second part, uh, we are going to probably even show some images, and uh, we're going to unpack for you more information about what we've been uh, recording uh, recently, myself and Joel. 
Obviously, this is uh, we have about two minutes left uh, to wrap up the podcast, and uh, the podcast is called Let Us Reason. People can go and listen to this particular episode, but believe it or not, I've had this podcast for about uh, a, a little over five years now. I'm into the sixth year. You can go to my website, sierrainternational.com. And there is a section in there called Let Us Reason. You can wa- uh, listen to all of the previous shows. And there is also another, uh, basically, way you can interact with us and watch this particular video that we are doing through the live stream. You can go to uh, Facebook at my own page, alfadi.sira, or go to my YouTube channel, Sira International. In any way you choose, you'll be able to find this particular uh, show, podcast, if you wish, and you'll be able to also interact with us via comments. Now, I encourage all of you, of course, to prepare more of your questions. I'm I'm seeing some distractions here. Uh, People are talking about other things. So I would welcome, of course, uh, your attention to this particular topic that uh, Joel is talking about, which is uh, the location or the alternate location to what we call Mount Sinai. And as you will see, in the next podcast and the continuation of this live stream, we'll show some images uh, as to why we believe that's the location of the biblical site as it is referenced in the scripture itself. As always, brother, thank you so much for joining me in part one of this podcast. And thank you to all of you who are listening to this podcast. Please stay tuned for part two, uh, which for you, if you're listening to the podcast, will be next week. For those of you who are joining us live, we'll be in a few minutes from now. And this is the end of our Let Us Reason podcast, part one. Thank you.